Are you all ready for the word? I read something very interesting. That's a study that was done. And, uh, you know, they often do these random studies. And the study goes like this. The outcome of the study is that if you laugh at your own mistakes and failings, you will live longer. But if you laugh at your wife's mistakes, you will live shorter. I don't know where they got that. I, I don't know how. Maybe it was by practical experience. Who knows? So never laugh. Never laugh at your wife's mistakes. Rather just laugh at your own. Okay, that's good advice for today. It's a snippet of marriage counseling, the secret to happiness. Amen. Yes. Just take note, husbands. You do wear the pants in the house. You do. All husbands, you wear the pants in the house. But it's the color and the style your wife tells you to wear. <laughs> Never mind. Let's go. We're doing a... Just going to continue on the theme of it's a year of fruitfulness. Amen. Are you all happy? Come on. It's a year of fruitfulness. This is what God has said. But remember that with all prophecy, it's not automatic, it's conditional. There's certain prophecies that are in the Word that will happen whether we're serving God or not, whether we pray about it or not, it's going to happen. But prefer a moral in all conditional. Every single prophecy contains within it a moral imperative. Is that okay? All right, so it's a year of fruitfulness. I want us to understand this morning that outside of Christ, that all our efforts and all our works are called dead works. That's why Hebrews tells us the elementary truths of God's Word, and one of them is repentance from dead works. But that doesn't mean to say, and I believe in grace and I understand grace, it doesn't mean to say that now that we're Christians, there's no works and any work that you do is not of grace and it's all legal and law, and so we shouldn't be doing it. And so a lot of preachers got really messed up about grace, and so it was like, well, you don't need to come to church, you don't need to read the Bible, you don't need to, you know, you can sin, you can do whatever that you want, but that's not grace, that's license. Paul talks about that in Galatians 5. Anyway, let me not get off over there, but in Christ, the works that we do, it's the same things that we did before, maybe to try and win God's favor or get right with God. But now that we're right with God by faith, through Christ, everything we do now as a work, it becomes fruitful. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. I mean, a sinner who doesn't believe in Jesus can do all the nice things that they want. But it doesn't mean to say that they will spend eternity with the Lord. Yeah. Okay, so lasting fruit, and this is where we've been looking at. Lasting fruit comes, and we were looking at the passage of John chapter 15, it comes from our union with Christ, but also then our communion with Him. So in other words, we need to be in a vital, living, dynamic, loving, intimate relationship with Jesus. Then we produce fruit. Can I have an amen? Because then I know that that I've caught you up to where we are today. Obedience, obedience is the attitude of submission to instruction and authority. How did I get from fruitfulness to obedience? Well, here it is. A key to fruitfulness is, uh, or blessings, another way of saying to be fruitful is to say to be blessed. A key to fruitfulness or blessing is obedience to Jesus. Is that okay? And that's all there in John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. So a key to fruitfulness or blessing is obedience to Christ. So obedience is the attitude of submission to instruction and authority. Most of God's promises of blessings are contingent, are dependent upon following His instructions and keeping them. Are you all with me? So a lot of people think they can just rock up, give their lives to Jesus, and the rest of their lives are blessed. Well, it will be if, and we're going to look at some of that. So obedience. I want to look at the obedience and fruitfulness, because this is a year of fruitfulness. So obedience is inseparable. Obedience to the Lord is inseparable from our love for Him. Do you know that the relationship between a husband and wife, and you know the word talks about it. The word talks about the leadership of the man and the submission of the wife. Now, well, the context for that is love. 
In other words, if the man is a loving leader, the wife will be a loving and respectful follower. It's the way he's created us. Isn't that right? I mean, it's easy for a wife to submit to and respond to the leadership of a husband if he's good and kind and loving. That's why Bev is the most submissive wife in this church. It's because I'm so loving. Are you all understanding that? And that's our relationship with the Lord. And so, I mean, if we love Him, well, the most logical, natural consequence is to obey Him. Well, because first of all, we discover He's really awesome. You know, when we discover the wonders of who He is, you can't help falling in love with Jesus because He's perfection. He's the perfect person. Amen? And so all of His attributes, you just cannot help but love Him. And so even our love for Him is because He first loved us. But anyway, it's inseparable from love. Loving Jesus is so easy because of who He is. And then to then obey Him is natural and automatic because nothing that He requires from us is destructive and harmful to us. I'm not saying that sometimes obedience to Him is easy. Sometimes it's difficult. But listen, the more we serve Him, the more we get to know Him, the more we fall in love with Him, obedience ought to then become more easy and more natural for us. And I'm sure most of you have discovered that already. So it's inseparable from love. Listen to what John says. In John chapter 14, Jesus is saying these words. John has recorded it. He says, John 14, verse 15, I'm mostly in the NIV translation this morning. If you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, it's another way of saying, if you love me, obey me. If you love me, keep my commandments. And later on in verse 21, Jesus says this, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. He's just turning it around, but he's saying the same thing. The one who loves me. I just look at the outcome of us loving him and keeping his commandments. The one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Now just hold that verse there. Remember I touched on it a couple of weeks ago. It's not that his love is conditional. He's not saying, well, if you love me, then I'll love you. But until then, I don't love you. No, no, no. What he's saying is, I love you. If you respond to me, and love me and keep my commands, there will be a greater experience of what my love is like. You will enter into the experience of my loving you. In other words, if you love me and obey my commands, you will experience the blessing of the fact that I love you and my Father too. Amen? I mean, that's really powerful. The word is so awesome. And so it's inseparably linked to love. Jesus replied, John 14, same chapter, verses 23 to 24, just a few verses down. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Now, you know, not to put condemnation on you, but we can flip that around and make it the converse. Because if we don't obey his teaching, what does that tell us about our But we won't go any further. I know it's those other churches. It's those other Christians. It doesn't happen here. Amen? Because we all love Jesus and obey his teachings, right? Okay. But he says this, my father will love them and we will come to them. Listen to this. And make our home with them. Wow. I mean, he will take up residence in our lives. You know, you wonder why some Christians are more blessed than others. It's not because God has, you know, got favorites. Bev said the other day, I'm convinced. I was a Bev, I can't remember. She said the other day. Um, okay. Somebody the other day said to me, I'm convinced that God has got favorites. Was not you. Okay. Must have been someone in the office then that said that. But I'm convinced God's got favorites. God's got a blue-eyed boy. That's why I'm just so glad I got blue eyes, you know. Thank you, Jesus. 
And uh, so we'll make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So Jesus is saying, it's not just me that's saying it. I'm repeating what the Father said. If you don't obey my teachings, you don't love me. Now, that's quite hard. I mean, that's quite hard. Let's Let's just pause and think about it. I don't want to go too fast. So we miss the point. You know, there's millions of Christians all over the world, other than ACF. These believers that say they love Jesus, but they don't do what he teaches. And it's an indictment upon ourselves. But anyway, the purpose is to be more positive than negative. So let me continue. So God wants us, for we, for just from these few scriptures and from your general knowledge of scripture, you've got to understand God wants us to grow in him. From when we get saved, when we get born again, when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he gives us the gift of tongues, and we're baptized in water. From that moment, God's desire for us is to grow. But there's a purpose to the growth. And the purpose, the goal for God on our growth is He wants us, expects us to become obedient to Him. Because our obedience to Him Our fruitfulness, our blessing is conditional upon our obedience. Is that okay? So in other words, he's done everything, and he still continues to do everything. That's the story of the vine and the branches and the bearing fruit and the pruning, is that the purpose of God is, I want you blessed. I want you more fruitful. It's not so that it does something for God's ego in some sadistic way. No, 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 no. It's for our own good because he wants us to receive more blessing, to become more fruitful. Is that okay? And that's very often the reason why, or that is the reason why often the Lord is speaking to us. The Lord is challenging us through his word and um, addressing situations in our lives, even by the voice of our conscience, by the voice of the Holy Spirit, maybe by the loving correction of another believer speaking to us, because what he's saying is, I need you to be fruitful, more fruitful, a bear much fruit because of the amount of blessings you know, that is equated to it. So you could almost say, Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. You could almost say that there's blessings related to all three of those levels. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, look at the person next to you and say, I'm convinced he's preaching to you this morning, so you need to listen. Okay? You've got to listen. All right. So the major goal that God is looking for is our obedience to him. Now listen, the act of obedience comes from the heart. We'll touch on that a little bit later. And I like what Pastor Bob Yandian says, Yandian. He said this, that our obedience is the greatest indicator of our maturity. Our obedience to Jesus is the greatest indicator of our spiritual maturity. You know, in our Pentecostal and charismatic churches, we think that if someone prays in tongues a lot, can prophesy and, and have dreams and visions and, and all of those kinds of things, we think that's spiritual. No, no, all of that's just a gift. Are you with me? Fruit is what makes you spiritual. Character, fruit is what makes you spiritual. That's why so many people, and I, Bev continually says it, she says, I just feel desperately sorry for the people that listen to these false prophets. Because they're more infatuated with a gift than with character. That's why they get taken advantage of. Amen? So the greatest indicator of your spiritual standing, your maturity, is the level of your obedience. Notice in the Word, every time that people put their faith in Jesus, they're immediately told to turn to the Word. You read it. I'll give you a couple of passages. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, I need to explain because it's not immediately apparent, but you've got to look in the context. Jesus says, very famous verses, and he says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Wow. Right there, Jesus was contrasting himself and what he was about to introduce into the world. He was contrasting himself with the law. 
Remember, Jesus himself said to the scribes and the Pharisees, you put heavy burdens on the people that you're not even prepared to use your little finger and try and lift. You remember that? He says, you're not willing to do it, but you keep putting these burdens on the people. And so now here comes Jesus, and he's saying, okay, there's something different is coming. Something different is about to happen. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened by the law, I will give you rest. Yeah. Woo, isn't that awesome? Take my yoke upon you and learn, learn from me. There's the indicator. Take my yoke upon you, because a yoke is a burden, it is a weight, but you're at rest while you're carrying this thing. And he says, I want you to learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. And part of the rest is that his instructions and his commandments are all doable because we have the Spirit in us. Whereas those who were trying to fulfill the law, they had to try and do it in their own strength. That's why they could not fulfill it. And that's why the law then became the school teacher to lead us and introduce us to Christ. And Jesus says, here I am. Now, if you're heavy laden and you're burdened down and you're tired, come to me. Take my yoke. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble in spirit. And you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that awesome? He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And the burden there is the burden of his teaching. As opposed to the burden of the legalism of the law. So Jesus was speaking about this in the context of speaking to people. All right, you've put your faith in me. You're coming to me. So now take my yoke. Go to my word. And you will find rest for your souls. There's another time. It's in John chapter 8. Very amazing passage. Amazing passage. You know, there was a point at which... If it was one of us, maybe even myself, I would have stopped. Now, Jesus starts to talk. You know the context of John chapter 8. It starts with the woman caught in adultery, stuff like this, and then progresses and progresses, a long chapter. But as you read, you start to discover they're going to this big discussion, you know, where Jesus said, your father is the devil. In other words, you are serpent seed because you listen to the devil. And, and you know, then they were going, oh, we're Abraham's children. And he said, well, before Abraham was, I am. They want to stone him. Yet the Bible says that many of them put their faith in him. Many of them, many of those religious leaders, many of the Jews, put their faith in him. Now, you know, most preachers would have stopped there. It would have gone like, well, that's awesome. They've come to believe. Well done. Well done. All right. Okay, go and join a church and uh, enter a discipleship program. Wonderful. But Jesus kept pressing the issue. It was really incredible. Have you ever read that chapter? Yeah. I mean, I've read it and I've gone like, Jesus, why did you stop there? Why didn't you stop there? It was like he just keeps going. He keeps pushing the issue. And um, all those who put their faith in him took their faith away. Yeah. <laughs> but listen to what it says. He says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold... To my teaching, you are my disciples. You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we know that's when sort of the rebellion occurred. Because he said, all right, you've put your faith in me. The next thing you do now is go to my word. And the way you put your faith in me is put your faith in my word. And do my word then you are really my disciples. Because when you do the word, when you're obedient, yeah. that's proof that you're my disciples and that you love me. Everybody with me? Yeah. And so if this is a year of fruitfulness, it requires us. The greater blessings we seek, the greater our obedience needs to be. Yeah. Are you all following me? Yep. So James 1.22 says this, and of course it's a repetition of the Gospels as well, in James chapter 1, 22, he says, Be doers of the Word, and not hearers only. Do you know what the rest of that verse says? Thus or thereby deceiving yourselves. Can you see there? We can't kid ourselves that we are Christians if we don't obey the Word because we get into deception. I mean, James is a tough book to read. I mean, he says it like it is, you know. And all those, 
you know, people that have got black and white characters, you know, sort of very prophetic and all this kind of, they love the book of James, you know, it's Bev's favorite book. It is, it is, because it's a no-nonsense book. It just says it like it is. And that's why Martin Luther, when he brought about the Reformation and he understood justification by faith, and then he would read the book of James and go like, this is so legalistic. He called it the epistle of straw, and he didn't even want it in the Bible. The great Martin Luther. But it needs to be there. Because sometimes we need some direct language. Everybody say, yeah. How many of you know sometimes the kindest thing you can do is the hardest thing that you need to do? Anyways, should we move on? I was getting a little bit heavy there, hey. So now in Luke chapter 11, there's this conversation going, Jesus does some things and, and whatever, and this woman is in the crowd and she calls out and she says, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And Jesus immediately answered and he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So where will your blessings come from, church? Yes, the, from where? From obeying the word. Okay, I'm going to ask you again, and I expect everybody to get the answer right. Is that okay? So come on, church. Where do your blessings come from? How many of you want mega blessings? How many of you know that's going to require... Mega obedience. Is that okay? You know what? Because a couple of years ago, many of you know the story, when that beginning of the year, because I always stay up and uh, see New Year in and all this kind of thing, and I normally sit, and then after midnight, I say, okay, Lord, what do you want from me this year? And I remember the one year is when the Lord said to me, this year I want instantaneous obedience without questioning. If you know it's me, I want instantaneous obedience. Obedience. I don't want delayed obedience. I want instant obedience. Yeah. Remember, and it was just a few weeks later, the Lord spoke to me in the service and he said, get the church to pray for you because your life is in danger. Remember? Yeah. And in that week, the guy put the gun through the window and he was trying to put it in my chest to shoot me. Yeah. Remember? But the Lord had warned me. Yeah. Okay. So if it wasn't for instant obedience that time, I would have been in the cloud of witnesses observing another pastor preaching to you lovely people. Yeah. And I would have been really sad. Yeah, instant obedience. Is that okay? Yeah. So blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now, I'm just going to throw this in because I'll probably develop this a little bit more in the weeks to come because I don't know about you, but I want to be more fruitful in my life. You know, it's part of God's promise to Abraham. But I want you to know, we often read it and we go like, yeah, well, you know, I'm the seed of Abraham. Therefore, you know, when God said to him, in blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. In other words, how many of you know God was saying to Abraham, you are going to be exceedingly fruitful. Yeah. Yeah. But what was the purpose of that blessing? The condition of that blessing is you continue to obey me and obey my word. The outcome will be in blessing, you will be blessed. In multiplying, you'll be multiplied. But what is the outcome? What is the purpose? What is the goal? Well, the rest of what God said to Abraham was that you will be a blessing to all the families of the earth. So the blessing to all other people is because you blessed. But you are blessed because you're obedient. Come on, church. That's a good revelation. Amen. I don't think that your offering or your tithe covered that revelation. I mean, that was worth double or triple what you gave. All right. But you understand that. And so, yeah, I am a child of Abraham. Yes, I am the seed of Abraham because of faith. And he believed God was crediting to righteousness. He modeled the gospel for us. And that's the truth about us. But our blessing is not automatic. Our blessing comes when we obey his word. Yeah. We're going to just have a look at it. Obedience is not difficult. Now, I need to qualify that. Initially, obedience is difficult. But I want to just cover it under three categories here quickly. Can I? Number one, obedience is a choice, always. But it's our choice. You know that there's not a devil, not a demon. There's not a situation present on earth that can stop you from being 
obedient to Him. The only person that can hinder your obedience is you. The only person that can hinder your obedience to God is you. You have the power of choice. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I'm sure those of you who are parents have already discovered what it's like when your kids are born and when they're little and they haven't developed their W-I-L-L yet. When they haven't reached the stage when they believe they are more clever than you. They obey you without question. But the time comes when they've discovered the word, and isn't it amazing how little kids, the first word they learn is the word no. Isn't it incredible? You don't have to teach them what no is. All your life you're teaching them what yes is. Yes, mom. Yes, dad. Because it's like, go and do this. Nope. You know, And then you're trying to teach them and get them to interact socially. And the first thing they learn in social interaction is mine. Yeah. You know, maybe there's still some of you here like it. You haven't grown out of it yet. I, I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> but, <laughs> no. You know? Um, you know what really amazes me? I'm telling you, there are people, and they've said it to me with pride. That pride, you know. When you say, come on, everybody, let's just stand together. Let's raise our hands. They go, no. no. I'm talking adults. I'm talking Christians. I'm not talking atheists and unbelievers. It's an amazing. Unbelievers coming to the church and go, oh, that's what we're going to do. Okay, no problem. <laughs> and then the rebellious Christian standing there, I'm not lifting my hands just because he says so. I'll lift my hands because God says so. Well, hey. <laughs> hey, if I say let's raise our hands, it's because God said so. Yeah. It's in his word. Let the lifting of my hands be like the... Oh, never mind. It's all in the Word. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm not. I mean, I used to have guys, and they're proud of the fact. They just look at me now. I'm not going to look mine because you told me so. <laughs> Enjoy your blessings. Or the lack of them. I'm an independent. Who does he think he is? I'll stand up if I want to. It's nobody in the church now. <laughs> They've left. Because I asked them too many times, please stand, let's raise our hands. Come on, everybody, we're going to pray in tongues. <laughs> Enjoy your blessed life. Okay. But obedience is not difficult. You know that disobedience or rebellion is more difficult than obedience. It brings more difficulty. Proverbs 13 verse 15 in the King James Version says this, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. It's more blessed to be obedient. To transgress his word brings its difficulties. The things that are difficult become easier and you really grow. If obedience is difficult, it is because you are struggling with your own personal issues. You're struggling with self-control. You're battling with your own carnality. You're struggling with a spirit of independence. You know, Frank Sinatra sang that beautiful song all those years ago. I did it my way. Now, Bev's brother-in-law, he used to joke, and uh, he had a fantastic voice. He could sing it like Frank Sinatra. And uh, Bev said she was 13 when she first heard that. You know, that was like, um, 10, 12 years ago. <laughs> and uh, Bev was 13. I'm going to get lunch today. <clears throat> Bev was 13, even though I'm extinguished. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so she heard her brother-in-law singing the song, and she said, as a 13-year-old, she knew immediately what he was getting at, because he sang, he sang, and he said, we did it my way. In other words, his wife just had to do what he wanted her to do. But anyway... Uh, wanted him to do. So it's not doing it my way. The, you know, transgressors, disobedience is hard. And if we have that spirit of independence, uh, we find obedience difficult. The enemy then of your spiritual life then is not the devil and it's not the world. It's you. It's what's inside of you. And so we need to change. We need to take control of our lives 
and change the things that need changing. Come on, church, that's part of the reason why we gather like this and we hear the teaching of the Word. Is that right? It's also part of your own devotions and things like that, but it's the reading of the Word, you know, and we need to get to the Word. And so there are things that are sin that can hinder our obedience, but there are also things that Paul talks about in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. He says there are weights, heavy things, or things that entangle us that can hinder our obedience. But so, so listen, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, verse 1, Hebrews 12, verse 1, let us throw off every weight or everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In other words, let's be obedient to the Lord. But there are certain things that are sin, those we deal with immediately. We get rid of out of our lives. But we need to also then consider our lives. What is hindering my obedience to God? That is not sinful, but that's entangling. That's a weight. That's a hindrance. You know, what is hindering me? It's amazing that the eunuch said to Philip, he said, what doth hinder me from being baptized? Look, here's water. Is there any hindrance? No. He says, we can be baptized right now. So put those things aside. Might be, you know... Maybe you filled your lifestyle up too much. Maybe you need to watch one less program in the evening and give a bit of time to the Lord. There's a lot of things, and it's specific to each one of us. That's where we need to get with God and say, what's entangling? What's preventing me? I'm not sinning, but what's preventing me from pushing into a lifestyle of greater obedience to you? could be fear. All right. Obedience, second thing. So first, obedience is a choice. Second, obedience is an attitude. Obedience is an attitude. Jesus had an attitude of obedience. I mean, all the way through, he says, you know, these works are not mine. These words are not mine. I only do what the Father shows me to do. These are his words. These are his works. I mean, Everything he said, everything he did was he's looking to the Father. The Father says that, he says it. Everything he did, he looks, I see in the Spirit the Father healing this person, he heals that person. How many of you know that was the modus operandi, that was the MO of Jesus? He had an attitude, an attitude of obedience. Paul talks about it in the Philippians. That's why he took on the form of a servant. What does a servant do? He serves in obedience. Here's the Son of God. Here's the Lord of glory. He gives up the glory. He surrenders it. He comes down, and he's obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He said, I didn't come to lord it over you. He said, I came to be a servant and to serve you and give my life as a ransom for me. So his whole attitude was one of obedience to the Father. So in other words, it's directly reflective on us what should be our attitude, saints. That of obedience in serving God. So we need to develop an attitude. The second thing, I like what uh, Bill Johnson says. Pastor Bill Johnson said this. A major assist, I'm not quoting him directly, but he said a major assistance, a major help in living an obedient lifestyle is this, is to imagine and focus on the outcome of what your obedience will look like. Because very often we don't know, God, you know, it's like, do I really need to do that? What you have to consider, God is a good God. And everything he tells you to do is for your benefit and for his glory. Amen? And so, Lord, I... Well, let me, instead of being fearful and reticent about it, let me consider what the outcome of blessing will be. And then be obedient. You can bet your bottom dollar that if you're obedient, it will look far better than where you are now. Okay, so obedience is an attitude. Number three, obedience is learned. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, that Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. And listen, the route to your comfort might be a route of suffering because, you know, it'll go against your flesh, it'll go against your comfort, it'll go against a lot of things. But, but hey, we imagine the outcome and we develop an attitude of obedience and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we make it our choice. So it's learned. I just want to touch very quickly on the fruit of obedience. I'm going to read some Old Testament passages. And um, you might think, well, that's Old Testament. 
what I might say to you then is, that's the Bible. So the fruit of obedience, the stories in the Bible are there for us to learn by. And it's quite interesting. Remember in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, the miraculous catch of fish, the the disciples toiling all night and they don't catch anything, these pro-fishermen. And then Jesus standing on the bank and he says, you know, throw it over the other side, throw it on the right-hand side. And they go like, hey, we've been fishing all night. Dude, you're a carpenter, we're fishermen. You know, go and make your chair, real fish. That would be the attitude of some South Africans. But in obedience, they throw the net overside and it fills two boats. You see, fruitfulness comes, blessings comes out of obedience. Why is that story in the Bible? It's to teach us that to obey him is better than to question him and go by our own reasoning. Is that okay? And so God desires to bless us, and that comes by obedience to his word. Anything that is, you know, very often, it's like I said, you know, we think that anything that works in the Bible is wrong. You know, our salvation, our baptism in the Holy Spirit was all a gift. It's all a gift. He gives it to us. We receive it by faith. And it, there's no works involved. But once we've received the gift of salvation and the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we start to do stuff. And those are not dead works. Those are fruitful works. Okay. So obedience is a major key, major theme found right throughout the Old Testament. Right throughout. You can think of Saul. You can think of many others. So in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 9 to 11 or 9 to 10, it says this. And I'm reading this in the contemporary English version. It says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Isn't it amazing? That our sin only passes down four generations, but our obedience goes down to a thousand generations. I mean, that's blessing, isn't it? All right. But listen to what it says. But if you turn against the Lord, he will quickly destroy you. Now, understand, understand, in the New Testament, God never turns against us, but our disobedience is us turning against him. And in essence, we act as ourselves being enemies of God by our disobedience. Obedience attracts blessing. Disobedience attracts negative results. Obedience is the only key that unlocks God's treasure of blessing in our lives. Obeying reaps rewards, while disobedience brings consequence. Be quick to repent if we fail or fall. Good examples are David and Abraham, who both sinned and both were held up as being men after God's own heart. You know, twice Abraham lied about his wife and said it was his sister to save his own skin. But you know, when he repented, God forgave him immediately. I think it took Sarah a lot longer to forgive him. (laughs) Amen? I know she's beautiful, but uh, no, she's not my wife. She's my sister. And he's looking, (laughs) really? And then goes into the king's harem, you know? And then he goes like, oh, okay, God, oh, you know, sorry. And God says, okay, forgiven, you're the father of faith for all nations. And then he even says in Hebrews 11, without faltering in his faith, what? What? I'm sure Sarah's looking from heaven at the Bible and going like, what? God, I remember two occasions he faltered in his faith, you know. Said I was his sister. But if we fall and we fail, we say, sorry, we pick ourselves up and we go again. And God says, it's like it never happened. Woo, Amen. The blessings continue. But listen to this, 1 Samuel 15, to 23. This is in direct reference to Saul. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry because that's what disobedience is. It's rebellion and arrogance. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. You know, disobedience can take us right out of the destiny that God has for us. It can take us right out of the blessings, the abundant blessings that he's planned for us. Listen to this, Deuteronomy 7 verse 11, uh, obedience. So be sure to obey his laws and teachings I'm giving you today. Just listen, just listen to the blessings of obedience. If you completely obey these laws, the Lord your God will be loyal 
to you and keep the CEV translation and keep the agreement he made with you just as he promised your ancestors. Come on, he'll be loyal to you. He'll be loyal to bring about the prophetic word spoken over you. But it requires us to be obedient to his word. It says the Lord will love you and bless you by giving you many children and plenty of food, wine, and olive oil. Your herds of cattle will have many calves and your flocks of sheep will have many lambs. God will bless you more than any other nation, any other person. Your families will grow and your livestock will increase. This is everything he spoke to Israel and it all happened while they were obedient. But when they became disobedient, it all fell away. And whose fault was it? It was their fault. Why is that story there? It sounds really harsh. It sounds really legalistic. But what God is trying to tell us is, please be obedient to me. You will experience blessing. Amen. Okay, Psalm 37, verse 11. Evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord. Listen to this. Waiting upon the Lord is also waiting to be obedient. Listen to this. They shall inherit the earth. That's where Jesus got the second beatitude from. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Psalm 37, okay. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. You'll look for the wicked person, and you'll look in their place. Where are the wicked people? They'll not be there. He says, but the meek, that's you. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is more like teachability. In other words, those who are teachable and obey my word, they will inherit the earth. So let me try and put it in practical terms. In other words, if we're obedient to the Lord, we will inherit that territory that God has given us. We will inherit the space that we live in. We will inherit all of the promises, all the blessings, if we're obedient. Amen. Okay, so it's not weakness. Exodus 15, 26, and God says, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do what is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your God that healeth thee. You know, he even promises us, if you walk in obedience, you can walk not only in healing and receive healing, but you can walk in health. I like what Pastor Bob Yandian says. He said this, as Christians, we sin, but we are not sinners. So if we ask the Lord to forgive us, he forgives us our sin, but we are not sinners. He says it's the same with sickness. I loved what he said. It really blessed me. He said, as a Christian, I experience sickness, but just like sin, I can receive healing from it but I don't live in sickness. I tell you, that's a revelation. If we get that, we can experience healing quicker. So in other words, just like I'm not a sinner, I'm not sick. Sometimes I sin, but I can find forgiveness. As a Christian, sometimes I'm sick, but I can get healing. Okay, let's leave it there. Let's move on. And then Psalm 91, that great passage of, you know, the, the protection psalm. I just want you to listen to this. It's powerful. This is what I believe. Okay, if, if I was to sum up this message this morning in one verse or two verses, this is the one. This is the one. Are you all ready? This is God speaking in personal terms to us. He says, because he or she hath set his or her love upon me, therefore will I deliver them. I will set them on high because they know my name. They shall call upon me, and I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will deliver them and honor them. With long life will I satisfy them and show them my salvation. Isn't this awesome? I think you need to memorize and personalize that scripture because that's God speaking to the person who has set their love upon him. And if you set your love upon them, as we've already heard in the message, it means that you will obey his word. I just want to give you one New Testament scripture because I've thrown a lot of alt in. I'll just give you one. There's plenty, plenty of New Testament scriptures. Jesus says this in John 13 verse 17, and you can apply it across the board to everything Jesus taught. But it was that time when Jesus got up, uh, when they'd arranged the Last Supper, they hadn't arranged a servant to wash their feet. It didn't enter the head of any of the disciples. 
to wash the dusty feet of all the disciples and Jesus himself. So Jesus gets up, puts a towel around himself, and he gets down and he washes all the disciples' feet. And interestingly enough, including Judas, who he knew was about to betray him, still washed his feet. Same attitude, same love, same everything. Washed his feet. And then Jesus said, you don't know yet what I've done, but I want you to know. You will know later, but this is what I want you to do. But listen, here's the exact verse. Let me give it to you. John chapter 13, verse 17. Jesus said, you know these things. NIV translation. You know these things. And God will bless you if you do them. You know these things. How do we know them? We know them from the word. And God will bless you if you do them. Conclusion. Finishing. John Calvin was... um, Great preacher in the 1700s. Powerful, powerful man of God. John Calvin. He says this. I want you to really, really listen. Memorize it if you need to. We cannot rely on God's promises without obeying his commands. Can I say that again? We cannot rely on God's promises if we are not obeying his commands. God has got, for example, principles of financial provision and breakthrough and prosperity. But you can't quote financial blessing verses if you are not tithing and giving offerings. You can't. Obey his commands, you can claim the blessings. Sure, that's a hard one to end on. So we cannot carry out God's instructions if done according to how we feel or, you know, if it's convenient or not convenient on our own terms, we need to obey Him. And I just want to close with this. Very often, and especially in the last decade or more, with very much the strong teaching of grace, and listen, I have not changed my mind, I may have discovered more about grace, but I haven't changed my mind. And there was a stage when preachers were preaching, basically, you know, Deuteronomy 28, Deuteronomy 29, but particularly Deuteronomy 28, to split down the middle, uh, blessings for obedience, curses for disobedience. And it was just, God just lists it. God lists it. I want you to understand that that was part of the terms and conditions of the law. God always said to them, you obey me, you walk with me, You'll be blessed. You'll have rain. There'll be no drought, no famine. No, your crops and herds will flourish. Your families, your I mean, and we're just you coming in, going out, standing, sitting. you just be blessed. Now, why does God, you know, if with coming of Jesus it eradicates all that, why does he inspire that in the Word? It's still there. The point of what he's trying to show us is, and by the practical example of the record of Israel, he's trying to show us, hey, if you obey me, you'll be blessed. But if you don't, let's take out the word curse. Let's take that word out. It's not that he curses you. You see, it's not something God actively does. It's a consequence that comes by your own choice. And there's nothing God can do about it. He's got to just maybe speak to you and help you, and and hopefully you'll repent and turn and come back to obedience and enter the blessings again. But it's there in the word for a reason, church. If we obey, we'll be blessed. If we don't obey, we will attract things that are difficult and hard. And our lives will become hard. So 2023 is a year of fruitfulness, of great blessing. And the reason why he wants to bless us in this year is so that we can be a great blessing to others. Our suburb, our city, and this nation, and other nations in the world. We can go and be a blessing in Zimbabwe. We can be a blessing in England, Ireland, and Scotland, where we're going later this year. I mean, we can be a blessing in Quirby Pinar Home. We can be a blessing in Elam Harvard. We want abundant blessings so that we've got blessing to give away. Amen? Hallelujah. I just think, how many of you got something out of that this morning? Just say, Lord, help me to be obedient. Help me to envisage the outcome of obedience. Never to be reticent, never to be, you know, pulling back. So let's just just raise our hands. Father, we just want to commit ourselves to you and 
to obedience to you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Oh, Lord, we just want to respond. We want to respond. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just want to respond. Just want to respond. And, you know, it might not be, like I said in the message, it might not be a great sin that we have to deal with, but maybe we just need to make an adjustment somewhere. And um, just an adjustment. Things that beset, heavy weights that come upon us, things that entangle our lives and prevent our obedience. Sometimes the hardest thing we have to do is the right thing and become comfortable in the zone that we're in. But Father, we just want to thank you this morning because of your word and possibly the pruning by the word this morning that there's change. And Father, we just begin to walk in obedience in Jesus, in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you for it. I just really want to, for us to just seize the moment. We're here. We've got the time just to reflect. And maybe there's something that the Lord has been speaking to you to do and you haven't done it yet. And not that you are rebellious or disobedient. Maybe you're wanting confirmation or something like that. But step ahead and just go out and do it. And then trust Him. Trust Him. Just while you're standing like this, you know, very often what happens with Christians, they revert to some kind of false spirituality. And it's clear in the Word what they've got to do, but they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to tell them. The Holy Spirit is not going to tell you what's already written in the Word. What He might do is say, go and read your Bible. You know? It's amazing to me. In a conversation a while ago, speaking to someone haven't seen for a long time in church and say, hey, we're missing you from church. Why don't, please, why don't you come to church? And the reply was, I'll come to church when the Holy Spirit tells me to. Well, it's in the Word. The Holy Spirit is not going to waste His breath telling you to go to church because it's already in the Word. If He does, it's just His grace. Someone with unforgiveness against someone else, and the suggestion was, why don't you phone? Why don't you make an appointment? Why don't you go and see that person? And the reply was, oh, maybe you God's voice to me to go and do that. Well, <laughs> you know, it's in the Word. You know, one of the reasons why a lot of Christians don't obey the Word and they wait for the Holy Spirit to tell them is because that's intensely subjective. It's not objective. Because you cannot hear. It's easy for you not to hear and, and to ignore the voice of your conscience or the voice of the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Word is so direct and so clear of what we need to do. So we'll avoid the Word and then we'll go to the excuse of, well, I'll wait for the Holy Spirit to tell me. Well, he, why? It's in the Word. Why does He need to tell you? But Father, with our hands raised, eyes closed, we're responding and we're going to be people of the Word. Lord, we're going to be abundantly blessed so that we can be a blessing to all the families of the earth like you promised Abraham. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you.